Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining me tonight for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640 Toronto. I'm your host for tonight, Joan Kelly Walker, your regular host, Laura Bellotta, matchmaker and founder of Single in the City, will be back next week. So the big question of our conversation for this evening is, is your emotional DNA messing up your love life? That's a big question. And tonight I'm joined by Judy Wilkins-Smith, world-renowned systemic work and constellations expert, author, and motivational speaker. Judy offers guidance for shifting unconscious inherited patterns and transforming your relationships by working with hidden patterns and unconscious loyalties. Judy's also the author of an upcoming book, Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint, a powerful guide to transformation through disentangling multi-generational patterns, which will be available in June. So I'm looking very forward to that book coming out. But tonight we'll be discussing what is emotional DNA, where our relationship patterns come from, and how knowing these really important topics can help you create the love life that you desire. So Judy, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Hi, Joan. It's lovely to be with you. And you are with us tonight from beautiful Texas. Yes, beautiful, rather cold Texas at the moment, but yes. Okay, well, we are a Canadian show, so we know what rather cold means. Yeah. Um, but we're going to keep going here. We're going to jump right into things. Now, a lot of your work is based on the idea of emotional DNA. Now, when people hear that, do they often start to roll their eyes and say, what the heck are you talking about? Because part of your work is demystifying systemic constellations. And for a lot of people, and maybe some of our listeners, they might seem like, I don't really know what that is. Is that magic? Is it out of reach? Can anyone use this? What is emotional DNA? Yeah, so do I get the rolling eyes? Not so often because what I will usually say to people is you understand that you inherit your physical DNA, right? Yes. Well, yes. you also inherit your emotional DNA. And your emotional DNA is your patterns of thoughts, feelings, actions, mindsets, that have rolled down from generations before you, generally as a result of an event. An event creates a reaction, and the reaction begins to create thoughts, feelings, and actions for you. So I always ask people, what are you telling yourself about that? What did you make it mean? And this, as I said, just cascades downhill, and yay, it hits you, and three or four generations after an event, suddenly you're feeling the feelings, thinking similar thoughts, and, and following mind, uh, mindsets and patterns that are similar to your predecessors. So in a sense, you're reliving ancient history, not truly creating your present and your future. So like, what's your background? How did you learn all this? Oh my goodness, my background is actually um, in the healthcare field. I was a vascular technologist, auto-transfusionist, hematology person down in South Africa, moved across here, and couldn't do the same work here and started writing books and then got into understanding patterns in families, which took me into then understanding patterns in organizations and then brought me into emotional DNA. Okay, so uh, 
Now, a lot of people are really into a couple of popular things like looking at their ancestry through something called 23andMe or Ancestry.com. Looking into your family's history, it's, it's really easy and it's popular. So can we also look into these services to learn more about our emotional DNA? Absolutely. And here's the thing, you were bang on. With the genealogy, do you know that there are over 100 million family trees that have been created? That tells us wow. people really want to know where they came from and how they belong. So that's your, your general genealogy. It's step one. This is what I would refer to as genealogy 2.0. In other words, so why does that matter? Why do events that happened back there affect me? How, do my, how are my relationships affected as a result of that. Well, it turns out that if there was an event that said to you, for example, um, I met the love of my life and he left me at the altar. Don't ever trust the love of your life or first relationships. Don't trust them. And so this starts to pass down through generations. Mm. Don't trust, don't trust, don't trust. Be careful of first loves. And before you know it, we have everybody in the system going, you know what, it's not one and done, it's one and get them out the way so we can get to the real deal. So we start to create these patterns of, again, thoughts, feelings, actions. And so the genealogy tells you where you belong, this tells you how and why that matters, and also shows you where your limitations are and your possibilities. Hmm. So how many generations back are we talking? It, it really depends. If it's something really impactful. It can go back seven generations. I've worked with people where it goes back to a really strong incident like a murder or a, a rape that'll go back seven generations and cycle down and impact this one. And the reason it impacts you is because it's asking you to see what hasn't been resolved, give it a place, and then open up the space for something new to emerge. And that's your job. Hmm. So that's our job to progress and live our best life. Is that what exactly, you mean? Exactly. Exactly that. The limitations always contain a little piece of gold. They're telling you what needs to stop. Your heart's des So your frustrations will generally tie you to the pattern, the one that's keeping you limited. Your, your heart's desire is the chapter that only you can write, which is the future and the present. And when you begin to change one thought, one feeling, one action, not only are you rewiring your brain, you're rewiring your emotional DNA. And within a short while, what was a limitation now simply serves as a source of wisdom and says to you, hey, go do something more, go do something different. I can see where once you're able to tap into that, that it would be really valuable information. But I'm sure there's a lot of people listening, thinking like, how do I discover my limitations? Like some people sort of go through life and they get frustrated at certain things. How do you put your finger on those really specific details that you need in order to progress? Okay, so here's what I say to people. I want you to write down the one thing that, I, that you want to stop. It's frustrating and it's irritating. You're going to later write down the one thing you want to start. But for now, write down the one thing you want to stop. When did that first begin for you? Write that down too. So when did it first begin for you? What was happening in your life at the time? 
is there anybody else in your family who is similar? Or is this a pattern for you? Because not everybody has access to that genealogy, right? So they don't know. Mm -hmm. But they do have access to their own repetitive patterns. So one way or the other, you're going to see that this keeps hitting a brick wall for you in the same place. So that's what you do. Write down the frustration. Write down what it stops you from doing. Write down what you tell yourself about that. And write down what you feel about that. That's your beginning step. That makes hmm. sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I want to go through each of the steps, but it popped into my mind. Like, what if someone is adopted and they have no information about their birth parents? Is it harder for them to get the insight into their emotional DNA? Or you're really looking within yourself? Yeah, no, you're looking within yourself very much, but it isn't harder. I've worked with a number of people. In fact, my own daughter is my adopted daughter. Uh, and I've worked with a number of people who don't know their backgrounds. She happens to, but many don't. What I say to them is, have a look at where you are different from your adoptive family. The eyes, the hair, the mannerisms, the sense of humor, the academic prowess or not. Where is that for you? And that's generally where you can sense or feel. I'm different from here, but this is very strong for me. And that is a pattern that you want to listen to or a, a feeling that you want to listen to, because that will be one of the sources of your emotional DNA. If you're always, as an adoptee, you're always angry, but nobody else in the family that adopted you is, where did that come from? And what is it asking you to look at so that you can change it into something else? And there's a saying that says, you learn to be like the people you live with. So is it possible that people, if they are adopted and they have their own specific physical, emotional DNA, would their, their state change because of who they are associating and spending time with? Yes, and, and it becomes a, a matter of choice for us too. Because even in our own biological family, we may have everybody who's quiet and I want to be rowdy. What's happening is something wants to emerge that's different. So we, we react either in collusion with or reaction to what's around us. Okay, so, so let's get back to these steps. So the first step was to discover your own limitations um, and, and try your and figure limiting, out your own patterns. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. Your own so, limiting thoughts, feelings, and actions. So it's not necessarily, uh, necessarily limitations per se, but it's what are the ones that keep you stuck? You want to go do something and, it's, and you, this little voice is, oh, you can't do that. Oh, nice people don't do that. Or we don't do that in the family. You want to pay attention to that because it's not necessarily just your inner voice. That may well be a multi-generational voice that's saying, in the family, we don't. And so you pay attention to that. That inner voice, that famous inner voice that, that sometimes famous inner voice. we just ignore so easily. It's just like, oh, what, you know, I just had this thought, but then all of a sudden comes back to haunt you. Um, so, okay. So that's the very first step. I know we have more steps to go through, but you know what? We are going to have to take a very quick break. After the break, we'll be discussing how looking into your emotional DNA can help you to understand your relationship patterns. So we'll be right back. Don't go away. Now, 
Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Toronto AM 640. I'm Joan Kelly Walker, joined by my wonderful guest tonight, Judy Wilkins-Smith. And we are getting back to our chat on how emotional DNA affects our dating and relationship style. So before the break, we were talking about the steps that you can take to identify where you may be stuck. So Judy, can we just kind of pick up right there? The first step is looking at what is keeping you stuck and listening to that inner voice. So what would the next step be? Absolutely. Then you want to write down what you tell yourself about that and what you make it mean about you and what you make it mean about others. So what do I tell myself about this relationship? You know what? I can't do relationships. I just know I'm hopeless at them. And that's because I'm not very smart. And and that's because other people are pushy and and they, they don't listen to me. So they don't listen and I'm not smart and I'm really not good. Yeah, I think a lot of people have that kind of negative inner voice. And even if you look on Instagram, people are always sending kind of uplifting things like, you know, uh, speak kindly to yourself and things like that. Um, Is that part of it? Is that you change that inner dialogue? Absolutely. The thoughts, the feelings and the actions, because any time that you change one of those, you begin to rewire your neural pathways. But there's an interesting piece to that. Um, You asked me before, is this something like magic? No, it's not. And yes, it is. It's your own. Because often when we say to ourselves, you're so stupid or you're not good enough, we believe that. We can feel what it does to us. So when you change it, what you want to do is change one thought, one feeling, one action, but in a way that you believe it and buy it. Because it's only when you believe it and buy it that the change begins to happen. So, okay, the first step is to identify it. The second step is to ask yourself, what are you telling yourself? Would this bring us then to the third step or is that the third step? The third one would be, what do you make it mean? And that was one I went through quite quickly, which was, I'm not good enough. I can't do relationships. that That would be our third one. And then what do I make it mean about others? Other people just don't get me. Can you relate back to me? How does all of this work on an emotional DNA level, like coming down from your generations ahead of you? Okay. So I'm going to give you an example, easiest way to do it. So we have, uh, let's go back to grandma and grandpa. Oh, yes, grandma and grandpa. Grandma eventually marries grandpa after the the love of her life just bailed on her at the altar. And all of these sentences were, I'm not good enough. Uh, I don't know if it's going to work. People don't get me. And she's known in the family as the slightly awkward one because now she's told herself the story that nobody gets her. And you'll find that at parties and things, she kind of sits back because she's really not good enough. So she's given herself a bill of goods and bought the bill of goods. Well, think about this. So what does she say to her daughter? Oh my goodness, don't you ever fall in love at first sight or or don't ever marry the one because the one doesn't exist. And in our family, women are not good at relationships anyway. So what does mom do? 
she cascades down. She goes, well, okay, so I can't have that one, even though I think he's gorgeous, because I'm not good enough. They leave you anyway, so I'll just wait for whatever comes along and take that. And then we come down to you who says, I look at mom and dad, and they don't have a really joyful relationship. Mom's always apologizing for who she is. Dad's trying to, to lift her up, but she won't have any of it. And she just plain isn't good enough. I guess I'm not good enough either. Well, I guess that's it for relationships. I'm going to have to bail on the one I love and oh, I'm going to have to settle because that's what we do in this family. Hmm. So once you've identified where you're stuck and you, you've gone through this process of, of you know, identifying those thoughts and what do you make it mean for yourself? How does it affect others? How do you start to turn it around so that you're not affected by that emotional DNA? So what I say to people is listen carefully. Even though you've got the little voices go, yeah, 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 yeah. You've also got a deep desire and a wish. And so in this case, the wish is, I, I just wish that I could really be in love and really love and have the one I love. Okay, so what might get you there? Well, I guess if I felt good enough, so what's wrong with you? Well, in our family, the women aren't good enough. But hold on, is that the truth or is it grandma's truth? Oh, can we give that back to grandma, please? Oh. Hmm. And, and how can, do you give it back to grandma? And that's really sort of an inner movement that says, you know what, Grandma, I know this happened to you, and I'm carrying it, and it's not good for me. I really want to bring the joy and the good enough back into the line of women. So there's an inner piece that says, watch me as I do it differently, or I'm going to do it differently. And that hmm. often now Sorry, go ahead. So does it matter if, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but does it matter if that uh, previous generation is still alive or not? Or can you still have that release and that disconnection from those pre that previous emotional DNA, even uh, through your own process? And sometimes, let's face it, like you may not know all the family stories. Like there was a lot of things that probably happened in the past that, you know, they may not have told them the stories all the way down. So I might not be privy to some of that information. Exactly. So if you're not privy to that information, here's the next thing you do. You ask yourself, what do I tell me about relationships? I'm not good enough. I don't do well. So relationships are not for me. So if we take it just to you, then the next thing you're going to do is to say, so what's possible here? What if I did think I were good enough? What about me is good enough? What one thing about me is really nice? I'm kind. I have a sense of humor. That's really good. Would other people like that? Yeah, I could, I could do this differently. So what you're doing is you're switching off from the old piece that you've carried and you're now consciously starting to create the path that you want. Mm, and we, we know that we can do this. We know we can do this. People say to you, you're not ever going to be good as a name, whatever. And you go, oh, really? Watch me. Mm -hmm. So you have to commit. There's a big level of commitment from the individual's part yes remember what i said to you before you've got to you've got to create a bill of goods that you can buy and this is this is the whole piece about rewiring 
it's one of the reasons that I say to people, when you go on this journey, do it from what we call elevated emotions, kindness, gratitude, happiness, excitement. That's when you want to tackle this. It comes, to, it comes down to this. I've had enough of the old way. I'm done with the excuses. I really want something different. This is where I'm going. And at that point, when you get that clear and that determined, you're going to start looking for what is the one thing about me that is, is good? What is the one thing that I'm really good at in relationships? Those are two powerhouse pieces. I can use those. Okay. Mm-hmm. And emotional, elevated emotions like kindness and happiness and those things are also powerhouse tools that you could use. Absolutely, because you know yourself, when you're really, really happy, that's the right time for you to ask yourself, what's possible now? When you're blissed out and and really impressed, or alternatively, by the way, when you're really, really annoyed and you've had enough, one of the two will start pushing you into, into the direction of what's possible. I'm done. I'm done with being the one who has no relationship. I'm done. Okay, so then what do you want? And when you ask yourself what's possible and what do I want, and you really invest in that question, you'll probably feel a little tickle or a little grin that wants to start making its way up. And because it's an inner journey and it's nobody else's business, you get to make the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so... Now, as part of your work on emotional DNA, you get into systemic work and constellations. Can we talk about that? Can you explain what that is and how it plays into all of this about discovering your relationship with yourself and your relationship with others and your lifestyle patterns? Absolutely. So systemic work first. Systemic work means we look at the entire system. You don't look at anything in a vacuum. You always wonder what's behind that. What started that? Why is this the way that it is? So you look at the entire system. If I'm working with a, an executive, I will look at his entire family. I want to know where was he in the system? How was he treated? How did he function? Uh, what were the goods? What were the bads? What were the pieces that he carried that were heavy for him? What were the strengths that he's used? So we look at that entire system, mom, and a system, by the way, in this case, family system is mom, dad, siblings, and maybe one or two significant members of the family who had an impact on that family. So that is your family system. And that's what we look at when we're doing this emotional DNA. Hmm. Okay. And then how do the constellations play into this? So constellations, of course, we got this word from the, uh, the originator of the work, Bert Hellinger. And uh, in German, it makes perfect sense. Here you get asked if you're an astrologer. No, I'm not. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> how it works is this. If you look at, at, an, at a constellation in the sky, every single star has its particular place and particular orientation. That's what makes it that constellation. Now imagine if one of those stars were to move, it wouldn't be the same anymore. And this is exactly what we do with a constellation. We set up a 3D representation of what you're carrying in your mind in front of you so that you can now see the representative for mom, dad, brother, sister, and we ask you to place them in a way that feels right for you. 
So maybe you have mom and dad close together and the siblings far apart. Maybe you have mom and a sibling close together and you're standing on the other side of the room. This 3D piece is hugely important. It is powerful. And it's the hallmark of this work. It allows people to begin exploring using sight, touch, taste, feel. So they actually walk through and they're using multiple senses to integrate the information they're getting, which means that they're getting different insights and those are becoming embodied. And so you get what they call your aha moments and your transformational shifts. Wow, that's fascinating. So I, you know, I wouldn't have come up with that, that the word constellations in this case means orientation and placement. And uh, you mentioned 3D representation. So is this something that you set up for people on a computer or is it an exercise that they do like themselves through meditation or they can just sketch it? Uh, they can't, well, there are a number of things. So first of all, they can set it up themselves, and that's one of the purposes of this book. It shows you how to do it step by step by step. Typically, what I do is at an event, I will set this up, and then what happens is you start to see the movement. As you ask questions, you'll see that they, they will move somebody in a different direction. Oh, dad, was, dad always looked away. So dad will turn around and look away. Why did he look away? He was at war. He never returned. So it starts to give them multiple insights they had not had before. And yes, in meditation, I have two meditations out that take you through a full constellation. Hmm. Okay, so you know what? I want to hear so much more about this, but we do have to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be chatting about how you can identify your own inherited relationship patterns. We'll be right back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm your host, John Kelly Walker, with my fascinating guest today, Judy Wilkins-Smith. And we're going to get right back to our discussion on recognizing and changing inherited relationship patterns. So uh, before the break, you were just explaining the difference between systemic work, which means working out your entire system and looking at your entire family, and constellations, which is orientation and, and placement of everyone, your lineage and yourself in a 3D representation. So now that we have an idea of what our emotional DNA is, can we chat about how it affects us in our life from day to day? What kinds of things can it be tied to? Is it only linked to our relationships or does it play into all areas of our life that may impact our relationships? Oh no, it is linked to everything. Those everything run your life. We just don't know it. You do not know how deeply they run your life. Think about finances. You have a million sayings about finances. In fact, money is one of my favorite things to teach because people will come in and say, you know what, I really want to get much wealthier. And I go, great. Tell me about people with money. Oh, they're greedy. They lie. They and then, and then they think they're going to have money. And I say to them, so you're okay to be a liar, a cheat, and a thief? No. Well, how do you think with that kind of language you're going to ever be able to accept or interact with money? So money is one. Leadership is one. Happiness is one. Business, 
success, you name it, everything runs on patterns. Hmm. Uh, so are there, is there a difference between the patterns that you inherit from your mother and your father, or does it all sort of blend together into the, next, the unique mixture that is like me? Um, or is there like traditional roles that you, you get from your mother or father? Well, it depends. And again, this is unique to every person. You may choose not to take patterns from your mother and to take from your father or one pattern from mom and one pattern from dad. I have somebody who is dreadful at relationships and fabulous at finances. Dad's great at finances. Mom's terrible at relationships. So it's which one do we want to do? And which one do we want to then turn into something amazing? Now, the finances, you're going to build on the strength, great. The relationship one is really when people say I'm terrible at, they're really looking at it backwards. It's I have an opportunity to. And that really is, is what it is. Here is a door that I can open and do it differently. And this is going to be my new strength. Hmm. So once we've establish the relationship patterns that we have formed for ourselves how do we use that as a tool to look back to gain a better understanding so that we can change things to go forward so what you want to do is yes if you can look back in the family system and see who was like that and as we said hand it back it doesn't belong to you all you're doing is repeating ancient history and then see what is the pattern that wants to stop in other words that pattern and what is the one that wants to start? And when you can ask yourself what it is that you deeply desire and want to start, then start listening. Then write down, what do I really want? What do I tell myself about that? What is the possibility hmm. if I do do that? So it's to start making that a new reality for yourself. Does that answer you? Yes, it does. Um, but I have to think now, then how would my actions and my choices affect my offspring going forward? Oh, of course. You've just, when you do something, it then switches the emotional DNA. So if you struggled, if you were limited and you look at it and go, I, I don't agree to this anymore. I'm going to change it. Yay, your kids don't have to repeat yet another generation of a limitation or a limiting mindset. They've now got mom who's taken the time, done the due diligence, swapped the, the emotional DNA around, and they flourish. And you see this with first generations of students who go to college. They're the first one ever. Why? Because they looked at the situation and went, I want more. And want is very important. And when they said, I want more, and they went for more, what did they create after them? Generations of educated children who never knew how much the first lot struggled or may have found out and gone, oh, my goodness, that was rough. But luckily for us, mom did it differently. Wow. You know, I can't help but think like if someone had lineage where, you know, there was big problems like alcoholism or drug abuse or, you know, whatever. Um, is it harder for those people to work through that? No, because what you it's want the same to process. Go, yeah, you want to go to the root cause. What was the event that created the alcoholism? Um, all of my nation was wiped out. There were very few of us left. Alcoholism is often seen in systemic work as a slow death or an inability to look at the truth or the, the, the 
um, not even the truth, the events as they are now, the reality as it is now. So we, we drink to escape. If we go back to what happened, they were all wiped out. We acknowledge they were all wiped out. And we acknowledge there is a place for that. And now I will choose to represent the presence of what is left. And I will choose to grow this nation or this whatever it was group. Now we're changing it. Now it's no longer a terrible thing. We're giving it purpose and meaning. And we will be the champion of what was lost. Hmm. Now, are there certain things, if someone's listening to this and they may have never heard of this or never thought of it, are there things that they should be looking out for, like a warning sign or a red flag or a little bell ringing or something that they might think, okay, maybe it's time for me to look at if, you know, I should see if there was any root cause for an event in my past, in my family, in my emotional DNA? Are there any little like red flags like that that you tell people that they should be listening to? Absolutely. There are ways to know if you're carrying a multi-generational pattern. Yes. You react disproportionately to certain events. You feel incredibly strongly about certain events. You're dogmatic about certain situations. You feel like you've had this burden forever. Um, you really are affected by things around you. Any of those where, you, where it's an amplified piece, you want to look at all, you look at it and go, oh my goodness, I open my mouth and out comes my mother or my grandmother. It's time to look. You are carrying a multi-generational pattern. Time for another quick break. When we come back, we'll be discussing this further and also we'll be discussing how you can break free of those patterns for better success in love. We'll be right back. Listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back to the Dating Relationship Show on AM 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Joan Kelly Walker, joined by my guest tonight, Judy Wilkins Smith. And we'll be getting right back to our chat on breaking the cycle of past relationship patterns. So, for so many people, it's easy to revert back to your old patterns after a period of time, even if you've been working on yourself. I think that's just human nature. What advice would you give to someone who is working on leaving certain behaviors behind? How can we prevent ourselves from reverting back to behaviors that do not serve us? Okay, so first thing to, to know is you were never meant to be small. We were raised that way, and, and we might call it humankind, but we've been raised to believe we're small, less than, not good enough. Put it down. I would say you are a remarkable life if only you know how to see it. That's number one. Then recognize that nobody and nothing in the world actually needs or wants you to be small. Sometimes we feel that way, but it's not accurate. For the world to evolve, it needs you. It needs you. So what you want to look at is what is my highest possibility and then don't listen to anything else. When you have the little voices that start to play, write them down, see who they belong to and then put them to one side. They're no longer relevant to the pattern that you're building. And then ask yourself, how big am I willing to be? 
When I ask my clients that question, a lot of them say to me, that's a little egotistical. And I say, no. The day you agree to be the biggest version of yourself possible is the humblest day of your life. It's the first time you agree to be fully responsible for growing your life and you are truly in service of the world. That is so beautiful. Wow. I just, I really had a moment there. That That's that's just a, a beautiful thought. Be responsible. And it's humbling to be responsible. So, okay, I'm going to switch topics just a little bit here. But I, I want to ask you, how important is meditation to you? How important is manifestation to you? Are those daily rituals that you suggest for people? Or is there anything else you suggest people do like journaling or, uh, you know, affirmations like that type of thing? Meditation, very important. I do that every day. And uh, I went and create because it's so important. I went and created the first two constellations meditations. So they are full-on constellations. They're an hour long. And they take you one through the mother and one through the father's line. And they allow you to go all the way back through the line, whether you knew them or not, and to connect with that and then come all the way through and begin creating new patterns for yourself. So absolutely. Manifestation is pretty darn simple. It's literally a question of when you start that one new thought, one new feeling, one new action, and you're consistent with it, begin to notice the changes around you and begin to notice all the signs that you're heading in the direction that you wanted to. The feeling in your tummy, the openness in your heart, the, the physical manifestations when people suddenly start popping into your life, they will happen. Mm -hmm. And what about other daily rituals? For me? Affirmations, because, journaling. Yeah, affirmations. Again, affirmations are important and, and. They're important only when you can say the affirmation and buy the affirmation. That is your, that is your secret source. When it hits you in the heart or hits you in the gut, you've got the right one. Before then, it's a, it's a game in your brain that's not engaging the other two components, but you want head, heart, gut, all engaged. That's when you get alignment. That's when things happen. Mm -hmm. So now that we've learned about patterns and identifying them, how can we use these patterns to find love and, you know, help our relationships so that they're as good and as strong and as loving and as positive and happy uh, so that they really work for us? Do you have like a list of suggestions or top tips that we can use to figure out what works best for us and that we can do right now to help our relationships. I would say if you want to help your relationships, don't believe in the little voices that tell you otherwise. Number one, number one, put them down. They are, they are multi-generational voices. They're not you. Number two, have a look at the relationship you most desire. What do you really want out of that relationship? Name the top three things. And then go full guns blazing to go and get those three things. One new thought, one new feeling, one new action. And, and you know what? Even more important than that, be patient with yourself. Mm -hmm. when, when you slip up, so what? All that's happening is ancient history saying, I'm still here. 
And all you've got to do is say, yes, and thank you, sit down over there. I'm going back to the thought, the feeling, and the action that takes me in that direction. And I would say to you, if you can think it and feel it for 20 seconds a day, every day, that begins to overlay and become the new reality. And when you start to really enjoy who you are, you will no longer need a relationship. That's very important. Don't mm -hmm. need a relationship ever. Choose a relationship. That is different. And don't right. let anyone to complete you. You're, you're complete as you are. Yes, you may find someone who will take you to those places where you're stuck, but you do not need someone to complete you. You are fully complete. Okay, so we, we've only got about a minute and a half left here. Uh, your book is coming out in June. It's called Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint, A Powerful Guide to Transformation Through Disentangling Multigenerational Patterns. Uh, how do people get the book and, and what can we look forward to in the book? So a lot of what we've spoken about, how do you get it? Um, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, any of your good bookstores, will they're already pre-ordering and carrying it. So people can, can pre-order it now. It comes out June 7th. What can you look forward to? What we've been speaking about, A through Z. It, it literally takes you on a journey from where am I stuck to how am I flying? Well, I look forward to reading that. Judy, thank you so much for joining us this evening for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show. Our relationship patterns aren't necessarily something that we develop on our own. Our family history can definitely play a big part in how we date and love. And I hope that tonight's show has given you some insight into how this works. We'd love to keep the chat going. Judy, uh, do you have an Instagram page? How, what's the best way for people to reach you? best way for people to reach me is um, via Facebook or uh, via my website, which is judywilkins-smith.com. And you can reach me anytime on Instagram at Joan Kelly Walker Official. And unfortunately, that's all the time that we have. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next week for another great show.